0: Welcome to the CORE here on American Family Radio. I'm glad to be with you on the show today. Afr.net's our website. We have the app out there as well, the American Family Radio app. You can download it on your smartphone or your tablet device. Takes you just a couple minutes. We also live stream the video on Facebook and YouTube. We live stream the f- uh, video of the show on Facebook and YouTube. Just go to AFA at the Course Show page, and you can watch the live video at those two places. Um, and uh, we published the uh, we published the podcast as well. Not only do we live stream the audio on our website and through the app, but we also publish a podcast after the show. So several different ways to keep up with the show, to watch the show or listen to the show. We, uh, we will have calls last segment, so you're going to want to stay tuned for stay tuned for that. Calls last segment of the show today. We'll jump right into Scripture for the week. Psalm chapter 12. Save, O Lord, for the ungodly one is gone, for the faithful have vanished from among the children of man. Everyone utters lies to his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart they speak. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips, the tongue that makes great boast. Those who say with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are with us. Who is master over us? Because the poor are plundered, because the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will place him in the safety of which he belongs, or which he longs. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. You, O Lord, will keep them. You will guard us from this generation forever on every side, the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of man. So the Lord's word is like silver. Uh, The words of the Lord, verse 6, are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified not once, not twice, but seven times times that's what we rely on is god's holy word his inerrant inerrant infallible perfect word that's what we lean on as we talked about last week that is our foundation and that's why christians seem so confident in what we believe on is because we know we understand we have faith we believe that God is who he says he is, and we believe and understand and hold to his word. So the word of the Lord is like perfect, refined silver, according to uh, David in Psalm chapter 12. Jumping into our stories for the day, let's uh, talk a little bit about Washington, D.C. And I used to have a show on the network called Exposing Washington, and boy, would I expose Washington and, you know, Washington is really in a bad spot, and many of you know this. I don't have to say this, but for those who don't, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Uh, Washington is, is very broken, and I could probably spend a couple shows outlining it, going in depth, but I'm going to keep things at about 30,000 feet right now for the sake of time. But you, in Washington, D.C., you, ha- you have a couple problems, a couple main issues Number one, the, the politicians have uh, the politicians being Congress got about five hundred and thirty five congressmen and senators, and that's assuming every slot's filled, every seat's filled. You have a hundred senators, two from each state, four hundred and thirty five congressmen from all fifty states, various congressional districts. But Congress, or the politicians, as some people call them, they've put themselves in a place where they're really not that relevant. And and if you tell one of them that, boy, will they have a pickle. Boy, will they squirm. Boy, will they debate you. That they are not very relevant. But when you look at meaningful action out of Washington, D.C., not only is it few and far between but it hardly ever comes from Congress you know what the debate is now the conversation is about what's the Biden administration gonna do next what's the Biden administration gonna do next what's the Supreme Court gonna rule how are they gonna rule very few times do we say what's Congress gonna do what are they gonna decide Congress has put itself By delegating so much to the bureaucrats, to the unelected bureaucrats in Washington, D.C., some tens of thousands of them, just in the Washington, D.C. area, probably over a couple hundred thousand, just in the D.C. metro area, Congress delegated so much over the last several decades to the bureaucrats that Congress doesn't really do much of meaning. So you've got unelected bureaucrats hired by the executive branch that are basically running the country, and then you've got the executive branch, like I just mentioned. You got the president, just as 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 Obama said, he's got his pen and his phone, signing executive order after executive order, just telling everybody and their mom what to do. Well, then you got the Supreme Court. You got the Supreme Court, and boy, do they never turn down a case. Even cases that are not within their constitutional purview, by the way, the Constitution does tell the Supreme Court which kinds of cases should be brought before them, and it also tells the Supreme Court which cases are not within their purview or their jurisdiction. But what does the Supreme Court do? Well, they pretty much take up every case. Okay, not literally, not literally. For the literalists out there, they don't literally take up every case. They actually turn down the vast majority of cases that are brought before them. But they are not very selective as to what is brought up before them because issues such as marriage, back in 2015, Obergefell, that case should have never been litigated before the Supreme Court. Why? Because marriage is not in the Constitution. So if marriage is not in the Constitution, what does the Tenth Amendment say? That states should handle it. That states should handle it. So you've got the Supreme Court over here meddling around in stuff that they really don't need to be meddling around in. And Congress is over here. What do they do? They fundraise for elections. Then they get elected and don't do half of the stuff they said they were going to do. And then they fundraise again and get reelected and then don't do half of the things they said they were going to do. That is that summarizes in about seven minutes, Washington D.C. Well, I do have a point here beyond just ranting. Governor, uh, uh, well, used to be governor, now senator Rick Scott presented a an eleven point plan on behalf of the Republicans. An eleven-point plan for the U.S. Senate should Republicans take back the Senate. All right, here's some of the plan some of the items in the eleven-point plan. Setting term limits for members of Congress. Hallelujah. We need that. Prioritizing domestic supply chains to reduce reliance on other countries. We need like a cha ching audio. <laughs> Prioritizing domestic energy sources to reduce reliance on other countries. Requiring voters to actually show a driver's license or government-issued ID to participate in elections. You know, like when you go buy tobacco, you have to show your ID. Or when you go to Obama's birthday party and Martha's Vineyard, you have to show your ID. Yes, that kind of uh, identity verification. Uh, Let's see. Advocating for the teaching of the Pledge of Allegiance in schools. That should be non-controversial. There, Bobby came through. Bobby came through in the in the uh, fourth quarter with two minutes remaining. Eliminating requirements to disclose race, ethnicity, or skin color on government forms. That should be a no-brainer as well. You know, right now we talk about how we don't need racism. We don't need partiality. We just need to judge people based on the content of the character. Does that sound familiar, that quote? Well, why are we still checking boxes on government forms on what our skin color is? Why does it matter? Because after all, we're not supposed to be picking people or or admitting people or whatever type of form you're filling out based on their skin color. So why does the government need to know whether my skin color is lighter or darker or somewhere in between? It really is irrelevant. And not many people can make a strong case to keep that on government forms. I think we should, like, like when I'm when I'm looking at a job application, why do I need to know what skin color they have? Does it matter? No, it shouldn't matter. And so, why are we doing it on government forms? Well, we shouldn't be. Uh, last two things are the last thing uh, on this 11-point plan promoting the idea that there are only two genders. <laughs> Yeah, promoting reality. That's a no-brainer as well. So all of this is good. Thank you, Bobby. Bobby's going to be playing that in my – I'm going to be dreaming tonight, and Bobby's <laughs> going to be doing a little dingerbell. Bell. Um, so this – Not uh, to be confused mm-hmm. with Tinker Bell. <laughs> Duly noted. So this 11-point plan is pretty good. I mean, I like it. It's good. I like it. And we actually have senators who are putting forth something that they can be held to account to. They can be used to hold them to account. Well, guess who had a problem with it? Senator Mitch McConnell. Senator Mitch McConnell had a problem with it. Imagine that. Well, Senator McConnell wasn't happy with it because uh, Senator Scott did not go through McConnell's office to uh, finalize the 11-point plan. So, so in a, in a very small way, this is this the the, the ego problem is another problem with Washington D.C. So Senator Rick Scott from Florida presents an 11-point plan that is, that is strictly in line with the Republican Party platform. And instead of giving Senator Scott a high five and telling him, good job, I like your plan, let's put it out there to the American people and take back this Senate, what does Senator McConnell do? He gets upset. He gets his feelings hurt. We have a country... That is, I don't, I'm not even going to say it's like heading towards a cliff. We're already going over the cliff. So this is a matter of whether somebody can get a rope and a hook back up to pull us back up. And what does Senator McConnell do? He gets his feelings hurt because Senator Scott didn't go through McConnell's office to approve the 11-point plan. And to go down here and uh, f- uh, wrap this up here, Here's what Senator Scott said in response to all of this. If Republicans return to Washington's business as usual, if we have no bigger plan than to be a speed bump on the road to America's collapse, we don't deserve to govern. We must resolve to aim higher than the Republican Congress that came before us, Americans deserve to know what we will do, end quote. That's from Senator Rick Scott. And I applaud him. I admire that because at least I can look next year or the next year and look at Senator Scott's plan and go, what have the Republicans done? But you know what Senator McConnell did? What he said? He said, we don't need to put out a plan. We just need to fight the Democrats and talk about how bad they are. That is a losing man's strategy. Talk about how bad your enemy is and start critiquing your enemy instead of focusing on what you can do for the people that elected you. So I'm ready for Senator McConnell to retire or be unelected. One of the two. Either retire or let someone take your seat because you lose an election. Senator McConnell and several other senators and congressmen Have been in Washington way too long, and they've gotten so little done that they have become the problem. It's time for humility. It's time to step down. Senator McConnell should be the first one to go.
1: Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When their mom passed, the Landau brothers of New Jersey had a garage sale to clear out their mom's house. But they decided to keep a few things, including mom's old creepy painting of a woman passed out in a chair and two men trying to revive her. Fast forward to their estate auction and the brothers found themselves fielding bids from France and Germany for the painting. Turns out it was a long-lost Rembrandt that ultimately sold for $1.1 million. A trained eye spots value
3: where others don't. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner, or visit the podcast page at AFR.net. For more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
4: This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls.
3: You do you.
4: Ever heard this as
5: a last word in disagreements amongst friends? This popular phrase holds the release for many people to disengage with church community life. But is you do you biblical? Our culture tells us that convenience and happiness are the foundations to our personal freedom. So when you don't like people, just break ties and go on your own. But what about the loss of a family member, illness, unemployment, or wayward teenagers? In these trying times, wouldn't it be better to let us do us? Colossians 2.7 reminds us to let our roots grow down deep. As you lead in your home, commit your family to weave deep roots into church community with a closeness that will commit back to you when life gets hard.
4: Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and here's a very startling statistic. Every five minutes outside of America, a Christian is killed simply because they believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me give you some perspective. By the end of the average hour-long worship service in America on a Sunday, 12 Christians will die, again, simply because of their faith. Now listen, persecution is arguably the top issue facing the global church today. I'm not saying that death is affiliated with everything every case of persecution, but if Bible League we know Christians who are singled out, targeted, monitored, threatened with death, even killed simply because of their faith. Listen, we can do something about it by sending exactly what they're praying for, to persevere and endure, and that's God's Word, at $5 a Bible, $100 sends 20. Would you pray about it and then make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD, 800 S W O R D, or give at sendbiblesnow.org, sendbiblesnow.org, and God bless you for caring.
2: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American Family Radio.
0: Chapter four, verse eleven and twelve. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Verse twelve, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And so Lincoln Brewster's song there: "There is power in." The name of Jesus. How is there power in the name of Jesus? Because God's word t- says there is, and that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else. No one else can offer eternal life. No one else can offer eternal remission of sins. No one else can offer remission of sins. Only Jesus can do that. And that places. A lot of trust and power in the name of Jesus and no trust in man for eternal salvation. And so that should be humbling to each and every one of us as mere humans. Uh, So jumping back into the topics we were discussing, I'm going to continue this discussion on Washington, D.C. I've got two clips here. We'll uh, we'll open a can and then we'll close it back with another clip. Um, This is clip three, and let me set this up a little bit. You know, Washington, they like to to uh, to either create problems or uh, foster environments where problems can occur, and then they come back behind the problem that they fostered or created, and they spend a lot of money on the problem that they created. I mean, imagine that. What a way to do business. What a way to do business. You create problems and then raise your hand to fix the problems, and then there's money tied up in both scenarios. All right. So this is Senator McConnell, the Senate minority leader, talking about how, well, we're just going to compromise with the Democrats and we're going to spend $14 billion in Ukraine. Clip three.
6: Let me start by saying if I were the majority leader, we'd be on the Ukraine supplemental right now. It's been challenging to get our Democratic colleagues to do what I believe the Ukrainians need at this particular point, but where we've ended up is at $14 billion. In order to get to $14 billion, we actually had to uh, prevent House Democrats from blocking loan guarantees to help Eastern NATO allies buy American aircraft with their own money, which shouldn't have been a problem. The House Democrats tried to cut the uh, the administration's request for security assistance by $300 million. In other words, it's been like pulling teeth to get out of House Democrats what the Ukrainians obviously need at this particular time. And we've been slow, much too slow. But the package, I gather, will be coming over from the House attached to the Omni. I think it's an important step. It needs to be passed, and it needs to be passed quickly.
0: I'm about to start snoring. I'm about to fall asleep here drinking this juiced up coffee over here <laughs> this is raise your hand in radio land if you're tired of throwing billions of dollars at the world's problems this is this is the same old junk that our country's been doing for decades and I'm fed up with it I mean I'm not even gonna try to parse this and make it sound good and nice and like politically political no no this is this is ridiculous we throw money at everything and nothing gets fixed and i said before and i'll say it again for the people out there that want to hear it i am all for helping the innocent people in ukraine as long as we can guarantee that the help goes to the innocent people in ukraine But Ukraine, for those who don't know, because the media and pretty much everybody and their third cousin are fawning about how great Ukraine is and Zelensky's like this third god somewhere. Ukraine is a historically one of the most corrupt nations in the world. Well, Walker, that sure is mean. Well, it's not coming from me. It's coming from organizations that look into corrupt nations and they have ranked Ukraine as one of the most corrupt nations on this planet. And, and you go back to President Obama's days, you go back to the Clinton days and the Bush days, and there were so many shenanigans and scandals in Ukraine that I can't count them all. So where is the $14 billion going to go? Well, the answer is nobody knows. So if you can guarantee to me, first off, we don't need to just send cash over there. Okay? If you want to send pallets of food and water for people, let's do it. There's Christian organizations right now actually doing it more efficient and at a a better quantity than than our own government. Franklin Graham's organization, Samaritan's Purse, they had a plan over there in a couple days. What's our government do? Well, they're going to subcontract it out to seven different companies, and then you're going to have 30 supervisors, and they're going to spend hundreds of millions of dollars, and little's going to get done. And then they're going to have to funnel it through, you know, and everybody's going to get a kickback, and they're going to pick the the company that's going to donate to the campaign next cycle. I mean, this stuff goes on day in and day out in Washington, D.C., so we don't need $14 billion to go to Ukraine. If you want to send food and water and blankets and, and set up humanitarian camps there, let's do it. But let's stop just printing money and throwing it at problems, and let's start looking for, looking for permanent solutions. And I know this is hugely unpopular. Everybody just wants to throw money at other countries, and then and then everybody gives themselves a high five and they pat themselves on the back and they say, Look, America's so nice, we're sending everybody billions of dollars. No, I want to make sure that the money's being spent right. And on a personal level, I don't even give give needy people and homeless people cash. I am a no cash fella. Why? Because I've done it before, I've given cash. And then I found out that the cash to the homeless person was spent to buy drugs, beer, or cigarettes. Instead, what I do now is someone comes up and says, I'm hungry. Can you give me money to go buy food or my gas? I'm out of gas. I need cash. I say, you know, I don't do cash, but if you want me to take you down the street, I'll be glad to get you a hamburger. You know what I found out? Half of the people turn me down. They don't want me to go buy them food. No, they want cash for their drugs. They want cash for their addiction. They want cash that goes to not actually fixing or solving a problem. I've I've offered to fill people's gas tanks up. I'll top the whole tank off. They say, well, uh, uh, I can't find my keys. Uh, uh, I I just need cash. No, no, no. You, You want cash so you can continue your sloppiness. You don't want cash to solve the problem. And so this is the same scenario, but on a much, much larger scale. And then, meanwhile, Americans are paying 70, 80, 90, 100 bucks to fill up their vehicle. And not because of Russia and Ukraine, although that's what they're starting to tell you now. I could have called this a week ago. Biden sets in place terrible policies that reduce our strategic and reduce our production capability in America from an energy standpoint. That's his problem. That's his fault. What do we do? We blame Putin. We blame Putin for $4 gas. No, gas was on the rise before Russia went into Ukraine. Gas was on the rise before Russia went into Ukraine. Well, somebody who shares my sentiments... As Representative Chip Roy, let's hear from him on how he feels about this entire predicament clip four.
7: I would note, though, here we are again. We're sitting here at the precipice of a government funding running out, and I hear all my colleagues talking about how great it is. We're going to come up with some great big omnibus bill, and I'm hearing that from my colleagues on both sides of the aisle. Nobody in America wants us to plus up more spending irresponsibly. Nobody in America wants us to say, oh, let's pat ourselves on the back now because some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are saying, you know what, it's time now to ban Russian oil. It's not good enough to ban Russian oil if we're not going to open up American oil and gas. All we're going to do is provide more money to Venezuela, more money to Saudi, more money to Iran. But yet, that's being touted as a victory. And some of my colleagues on this side of the aisle are saying, okay, good, oh, this is great. But my colleagues on the other side of the aisle, they don't want any oil. They don't mind your gas being... $4, $7, $10 a gallon. Don't get played. But my colleagues on this side of the aisle are about to get played. And everybody back home is saying, what are you going to do to stop vaccine mandates? Nothing. What are you going to do to secure the border? And my colleagues on this side of the aisle are going to say, oh, don't worry, we're going to give you more money for ICE, more money for Border Patrol. But you know what that does? It makes it worse. Because you're funding the processing of people at our border because that's all Border Patrol and ICE are doing. Mm -hmm. But my colleagues on this side of the aisle are going to say, oh, look at us. We did something for you for border security. It ain't true. It's going to make it worse. And anybody who's been to the border, anybody who talks to Border Patrol, anybody who talks to ICE knows that's true. We're not going to get a vaccine mandate. We're not going to get a secure border. And we're not going to get more oil and gas being produced in America. Then we're going to say, great, let's have a vote and send more lethal aid to Ukraine. And we're not even going to have a debate down here about what we're doing and funding Ukraine with Putin rolling over Ukraine. All we're doing is backroom deal making, waiting for somebody to drop a bill on the floor of the House and then come down and vote yes or no.
0: I'm just glad somebody else feels the way I do. And it just doesn't have to be mean old Walker on the airwaves being an old codger. No, it's Chip Roy this time. I need more Chip Roy clips because I can just come on the show and play Chip Roy clips and then when people get mad at me, I'll just say, well, you have to take it up with the congressman. You have to take it up with the congressman. Well, I wasn't exaggerating when I said that gas prices would be blamed on Putin. The president himself said it just this week when questioned about gas prices. Biden said, It's going to go up. And I say, (laughs) really? Really, Joe? It's going to go up? Boy, we pay you the big bucks for a reason. He goes on to say, quote, can't do much right now. Russia is responsible, end quote. No, Russia's not responsible. Russia's responsible for going into Ukraine and hurting innocent people. Russia's not responsible for our gas going up. American politicians are responsible for our gas going up. Because somewhere along the way, about, I don't know, 13 months ago, somebody in the Biden administration thought it would be a great idea, a brilliant idea, to decrease domestic energy production and then call the former Soviet Union who we're a big enemy of, and ask Putin to send us some of his oil. Hey, Vladimir, can you send us some more oil, please? We would love to be reliant on our enemy for oil. Is is Russia our enemy or are they our ally? Because you look at the Biden administration and you get mixed signals. What do we do? We, we, We reduce domestic energy production and then we call... The people we claim to hate and ask them to send us oil that's 13 months ago 14 months ago now Russia's being the bad boy on the block Russia's being the bully on the block what do we do we cut off Russian oil which I think is a great idea we sh- never should have been relying on Russia for energy period we cut them off and instead of calling Exxon and Shell and uh all these other corporations and saying hey guys let's let's cut on the spigot now we're 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 rushing through uh drilling authorization forms so you guys can start spiking production so we can get these gas prices down for american taxpayers who are hurting right now what does biden do he calls iran and venezuela to see if they can send us oil and he calls opec uh, i.e saudi arabia and others to see if they can send us oil So right now, now it would take months to make a difference, but right now, today, we could hire American citizens, American workers, and produce American oil and other energy supplies. Bring, ease off the pressure, not be reliant on Russia or Saudi Arabia. Do it ourselves, but instead, climate change, climate change. Oh, and if you don't like it, buy your sixty thousand dollar tesla we'll be back in a few minutes
2: what does the american family association stand for afa upholds the truth that all human beings including the unborn are created in the image of god and are worthy of life liberty and the pursuit of happiness these values and more are part of our mission to inform equip and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture we also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality.
5: I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it
6: up. The testimonies very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope. In Jesus.
2: In his image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting AFAStore.net.
3: This is the sound of not just one, not just two, but three heartbeats. Heartbeats that were birthed through the Ministry of Preborn. The heartbeat of a pre-born baby can be heard as early as six weeks on ultrasound the sound of a heartbeat changes everything.
5: I came seeking termination, but once I got here and I took an ultrasound, I was overjoyed what I found out, that I was having
6: three boys.
3: The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free heartbeats for moms in crisis in America and the direct competition to Planned Parenthood. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time and this time there were three. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life.
2: AFA at the core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
0: Welcome back to the core here on American family radio. Glad to have you back with us. Hey, if you want to call in, share your thoughts, share your comments, ask a question, you can do so by calling 888-589-8840, 888-589-8840, 888 888- is the number to call in to the core while we wait for the phone lines to fill up I do have uh, I want to bring this back in front of the audience here Uh, we've talked about uh, America importing Russian oil and that's thankfully coming to an end but we do have to uh, increase domestic production otherwise um, this is not going to go very well from a consumer standpoint and it's already I mean it's already looking uh, four plus dollars a gallon is the national average now. But if we do nothing, uh, then that's going to keep going up and there's going to be a crunch. We have to in- uh, increase domestic production, and that will take months, if not a year, to kick in where the consumers are relieved. Uh, so if we're going to do that, which we should, we need to do it yesterday. We need to do it as of yesterday. Um, but Europe is in a even more dire situation. Just to remind our audience, 36% of Russian federal government income came from oil and gas in 2021. 75% of Russia's gross gas exports went to Europe in 2021. 38% of Europe's gas comes from Russia. So, Europe has an even bigger problem than we do. And uh, they're still relying on Putin's energy. And if that gets cut off one way or the other, that is not going to end up well. And Europe's going to have to look for somewhere else to get their energy. And that's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money. So, you know, I would say maybe this will teach the world a lesson not to rely on your enemy's energy. But, uh... There are many lessons in history past that we haven't learned from and corrected. 888-589-8840. Uh, one clip I want to play before we jump to the calls is Governor DeSantis in Florida. You know, the, the media is just absolutely going nuts over this bill in Florida, and they're saying, well, um, this is terrible. It's anti-LGBTQ, yada, 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 yada. Well, the main thing that this bill does <clears throat> Is It prevents teachers from discussing sensitive topics, and specifically in this scenario, uh, a sexual intercourse, sexual ed, etc., etc. It prevents teachers from teaching that and discussing that with kindergarten through third grade students. Which everybody should go, well, yeah, there's no way that should be discussed in a first grade classroom. These are discussions that are left for mommy and daddy to handle at the dinner table. Well, Governor DeSantis kept getting asked these slanted questions the other day, and he said he had had enough, and he said he will straighten the record Clip to governor of Florida. And
8: Does it say that in the bill?
3: You support...
8: Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking... I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because you are pushing false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. Hold on.
3: It says it bans classroom instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. I
8: for who? For... for for grades pre-K through three. Five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, and the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives and so we disabuse you of those narratives and we're going to make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum
0: all right so the legislation in florida by the way which passed both chambers and will be signed by the governor if it hasn't already It bans the discussion and the presentation of sexual identity and gender identity in pre-K through third-grade classrooms. They shouldn't be talking about that in the kindergarten. But you know what the left wants to do, and this is perfect evidence of it. The left is obsessed with sexualizing our children. And that is not an overstatement. That's why they're having drag queen story hour at the local library. And guess who's showing up for that? Not college-age students. Parents are taking their little kids to drag queen story hour. So, yes, they want to sexualize our little children, which is perverse and demonic. And that's why they have a problem with this legislation. Because who should be opposed to not teaching this garbage to our little children? Any decent person should say, yeah, that, w- that should already be law. Like, why are we even debating this? But instead, people got beef with it. They got beef with it because they don't like being told that they can't talk about having their, their, their private parts cut off as part of their reassignment surgery in first grade. They want to be able to talk about all that disgusting stuff, that twisted stuff. In first grade and that's why they got beef with the bill in Florida so good for governor DeSantis for correcting the record there and we got to protect our children we have to protect our children and stop letting this culture stop letting these people sexualize our little innocent children we've got to fight back people in Florida are doing just that going to Arkansas Arkansas rather Uh, let's talk to uh, Bobby I'm having a little issue let's go to Lynn in uh, in arkansas if we can lynn welcome to the core
5: thank you yeah i just wanted to say um what does it take to get rid of mitch mcconnell and um how come kevin mccarthy is next in line he seems like i don't know anyway well <laughs> I, i'm sure there's yeah. better
0: no good question so i'll answer both of those uh senator mcconnell what would it take to get rid of him well there's two things that can happen here you can either, either Uh, have the people of Kentucky elect someone else to McConnell's seat, which that term comes up every six years. I'm not sure when the next cycle is for him. Uh, But the second uh, on Kevin McCarthy, he's over in in the House of Representatives. So he's a minority leader in the U.S. House of Representatives. And the people of California would have to elect someone else to replace him. Uh, And then Uh, But as far as who elects them to be the leader of their party in the in the respective chamber, uh, that's that's the members of Congress. So the Republican caucus or the Republican Party within Congress, they elect their own leaders. Uh, So that that is all handled either uh, at the uh, caucus level once you're elected. uh, But ultimately, the people of Kevin McCarthy's district, the people of Kentucky, the state can choose someone else. Uh, to be their leader. So that's completely in the people in the hands of the people of <clears throat> Kentucky. Uh, let's go, uh, Bobby, let's go to Kevin in Indiana. Hey, Kevin, welcome to the core.
8: Uh, Hey, thank you for having me. Um, uh, quick side note, I'm actually thinking about doing a, a little free civics course at the American Legion so that people understand exactly what you were just talking about, how our, how our government actually works. Mm. Um, onto my topic. Um, I am just absolutely amazed, um, so we 've gone and sent our Vice President uh, Harris over to uh, Poland, so she can inspect uh, the border uh, of Poland and ukraine and and it's just i don 't think people understand either just how expensive it is to load the Vice President on Air Force two and the amount of security that has to tag along with her in in a, in a in more than one c5a galaxy right because Mm -hmm. they load in a bunch of stuff right right? because you got to take limo two with you suvs
0: helicopters yep
8: oh yeah yeah i mean you're moving a small a small army Mm -hmm. and then they put her over there and yet you know when someone said harris is going to the border i actually got excited for a moment because i was like oh great it's about time and then i realized no wait wrong border
0: you've got a you've got a really good point kevin wrong border <laughs> wrong border wow kevin any any last thought on that
8: no that's it i just i'm just awestruck by it i wish you the luck best luck buddy take care all
0: right thank you kevin wow kamala harris is going to the border the border of another country far far away there you have it <laughs> and taking the small army with her i don't know that that trip's probably going to cost a couple billion too who knows <laughs> Maybe, maybe the $14 billion will go to pay for that trip. Um, well, folks, I, I will admit this. In, in a moment of humility, I will admit that I don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. I'm not a foreign policy expert. I'm not a politician. But I can tell you this much. What we've been doing for the past 50 years obviously isn't working. It obviously isn't working. And that's why... We need to be open to new, fresh ideas, and that's why I think it's it's I think it's arrogant. I think it's reckless for Senator McConnell to get all upset about Senator Scott having some fresh ideas. Because the stat, because the status quo is clearly not working in Washington, and you would have to have blinders on to say <laughs> that our leaders of decades old are doing a great job leading this country. So it's time for new ideas. I don't have it all figured out. Chip Roy did not have it all figured out. Obviously, Biden administration did not have it all figured out. But it's time for new ideas. It's time for fresh ideas, and it's time to stop throwing money at problems. And let's start talking about, number one, the root problem and what we can do uh, to fix it. So there's my moment of humility there. <clears throat> we'll go to, Bobby, we'll go over to, let's go to Ann uh, down in Louisiana. Hey, Ann, welcome to the Corps.
5: Hey, how are you, Marie?
0: Doing very well, Ann. Glad to have you on my show. Thank you.
5: I want to call and just thank you for who you are. And I'm 80 years old. And if I were your mother, grandmother, I would be so proud of you and your staff. Hmm. But I, I, I really know that you guys, your age, I don't know how old you are, but you're very young, are, are our future. You're our future. Mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just overjoyed to be able to sit and listen to you. And one thing that um, uh, the only person that can figure all this out is Jesus Christ. And I think we need to get a little closer mm-hmm. in our relationship with him. But uh, I heard a preacher last night on the radio say that America has lost its first love, mm-hmm. where that we are like the church of a thesis. So that's just a little note I want to put in people's ears, you know, to just to get back to the word of God. Amen. And then, and then you can start seeing things happen. But you be blessed, and you continue on the path that you're on. You're a very brave young man.
0: Amen. Thank you so much, Anne. That's very kind words there.
6: It's a sweet lady right there.
0: Very refreshing, Anne. Uh, it's good to show some people some kind words. Appreciate that. And um, you're exactly right. Biblical wisdom will lead people to make good decisions. And that's what we're missing in America much for the much part. And this is not folks, this is not just a Washington, DC problem. I know I talk about that pretty often, but America as a whole, to Anne's point, we've lost our focus and we are not relying on God's word and biblical wisdom to make decisions. And whether it be on what's considered a a very local level in your household or in your small business, whatever whatever you do, whatever your specialty is, wherever you spend a lot of your time, if you remove God or you intentionally leave God out, you leave his word out, and you don't allow the Holy Spirit to drive your life, to drive your actions and your thoughts, then you will be led astray, and you will make bad decisions, you will make unwise decisions, and I think you can say that's what's happening to our country at a very very large scale. Last call we'll take is from Texas. We'll go to Jerry in Texas. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the Corps.
1: Hey, brother, just real quick. And I I try to usually be quick. because I know you got other callers. but today I'm going to take probably just a little bit longer. Uh, So my background is I retired from the military in 2015 with 20 plus years, and I became really more aware during the COVID crisis of kind of what's going on with getting back to my roots of studying every day, as the last lady said getting and seeking that wisdom of God and that spiritual discernment. Mm. Um, but today it's more, it's more about being active and, and really pushing other people, I guess, given that righteous indignation. So I've gotten where I've upset people because I call my senators and my representatives, uh, at least once or twice a week to let them know how I feel. Um, and you know, it's like you stated as well. It's like, like I told uh, Bobby, it's like talking to my five-year-old. You don't know if it's getting through to him <laughs> or not. And nine times out of 10, you see the next bill that comes along with the same ridiculousness in it. You know that you just wasted your whole time and yeah. you got the deer in the headlight look from them over the telephone. But you got to call. You got to be active. You got to press. I was talking to a lady today and I told her the problem is, is in my opinion, two things. As Christians. We are scared to talk to other people, even Christians, about what the Bible says is right and wrong. Mm. As Niki and Will say, we got to press each other as the family of God. Hey, what does the Bible say about this? If they're doing it wrong and the Bible says it's wrong, you tell them in love it's wrong. And the second thing is, is we have gotten too comfortable not talking about politics. Politics and religion are the two things that run a nation, and our founding fathers set this nation forth on biblical principles, the way they set the government up, the way they set things up. It's all Judeo-Christian biblical principles. And I would ask every listener, look, I call Mitch McConnell's office, not because I live in Kentucky, but because he's the minority leader, and he needs to know from other constituents, from other states, that the ridiculous he's pushing... Is not what the American people want. And until they listen, you need
0: to buzz them phones off the hook. All right. Hey, thanks, Jerry. We got to cut it short here, but good call. We got to be involved. Someone's policies, someone's ideas are going to be implemented, so it needs to be those that of Christians. We'll see you next time on The Core.
3: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast